This is Affirming Scripture, a sex-positive view of Christianity. Episode 7. Did Jesus Say Some Are Born Queer? Episode 7. Did Jesus Say Some Are Born Queer? I'm Elton Sherwin, your host for this series. Thank you for joining us. Previously, in the first five episodes, we reviewed the Old Testament clobber verses and saw that none of them condemn consensual adult relationships. Last episode, we started to review Jesus' own words on sexual and gender minorities. This is one of the most important, but most difficult to understand, of the affirming verses in Scripture. And we had a homework assignment, which was to read Matthew 19, verses 11 and 12, and to try and decipher who were the three groups of people Jesus was talking about. Here's how the ESV Bible, the English Standard Version, translates Matthew 19, 11, and 12. But he said to them, Not everyone can receive this saying, but only those to whom it is given. For there are eunuchs who have been so from birth. And there are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by men. And there are eunuchs who have made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Let the one who is able to receive this, receive it. We saw in the last episode that the term translated as eunuch had a far broader meaning in antiquity and included men with no desire for women, men with effeminate mannerisms or appearance, and men born with incomplete or missing genitalia? On Bible Hub, the HELPS word studies gives several definitions for the Greek commonly translated as eunuch. And the first definition is alone in bed. For example, without a marriage partner. So, who were the eunuchs Jesus was talking about? Let's start with the third group Jesus refers to. And there are eunuchs who have made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. The narrowest view of this verse is men who have had themselves physically castrated for the sake of the kingdom. This is uncommon in the modern era, but there have been centuries where young men did this based in part on this scripture thinking that this is what Jesus meant. The NIV Bible translates this a bit differently than the ESV translation we have been using. There are those who choose to live like eunuchs, for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. This is a small change in wording, with big implications for a guy. Made themselves eunuchs. Verses choose to live like eunuchs. To live like a eunuch versus to make oneself a eunuch. Ouch! 
Last episode, we heard Janet Edmonds argue. The last category, those who have made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven, to which Jesus may have been referring, would include men, such as Roman Catholic priests, who take a vow of celibacy in order to serve God. Many Bible commentators today interpret eunuch in this context to mean celibate and not castrated. So let's move to the first category. Immediately before these verses, Jesus is talking to his disciples and explaining the commitment it takes to be married. They respond. The disciples said to him, If this is the situation between a husband and wife, it is better not to marry. And that's when he launches into this unique passage, which opens with, Jesus replied, Not everyone can accept this word, but only those to whom it has been given. For there are eunuchs who were born that way. The narrowest possible interpretation of this verse is men born without testicles. However, men born without testicles are rare, and this narrow interpretation runs counter to our understanding of the term born eunuch and how it was used in antiquity. The Reverend Jeff Miner elaborates in his book The Children Are Free, re-examining the biblical evidence on same-sex relationships. This excerpt is read by Speechlow. Some might argue that Jesus was referring to males, born without testicles, but this would be extremely rare. Moreover, this interpretation ignores how the term, born eunuchs, was used in other literature of the time. In the ancient world, including ancient Jewish culture, as reflected in the Talmud, natural, or born eunuchs, were not associated with missing testicles. Rather, they were associated with stereotypically effeminate characteristics and behavior. As we have also seen, eunuchs were commonly associated with homosexual desire. Wow! In ancient literature, eunuchs were commonly associated with same-sex attraction. In the notes, I've included links to this passage and to Reverend Miner's writings and books. Reverend Miner's words echo those of Janet Edmonds in the last episode. When the New Testament was written, the term eunuch meant a man who for a number of possible reasons was incapable of, or disinterested in, having sexual relations with a woman. Those who are born eunuchs would have been understood in Jesus' day as including men with stereotypically effeminate characteristics and behavior. So what is the correct interpretation of this first category commonly translated as for there are eunuchs who were born that way. The narrowest translation of eunuch that makes sense in this context is men who do not lie with women. It answers the apostles' implied question. This would yield a translation of, For there are men who do not lie with women, men who were born that way. Linguistically and contextually, this is the most defensible translation. Here, Jesus is saying 
that some men are born without desire for women. This is the fundamental truth of this verse. God created some men attracted to other men. The importance of this verse cannot be overstated. And I believe Jesus may be saying even more. Here is the wording in the King James Bible. For there are some eunuchs, which were so born from their mother's womb. The broadest translation of this passage includes men and women who do not fit society's sexual expectations and norms. Jesus is saying some people are formed in their mother's womb for something other than a traditional male-female husband and wife relationship. I would translate this first category as, For there are those who have been sexually different from birth. Whether you think Jesus was referring only to gay men or to the whole LGBTQIA community, this is an amazing verse. Jesus is saying that same-sex attraction is not a moral failing or the result of bad parenting. One can argue about whether Jesus is talking only to gay men or to the broader LGBTQIA community. But it is clear that Jesus is saying God creates some people as sexual minorities in their mother's wombs. Moving to the middle category, there are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by others. This middle category is easy if you think Jesus was only talking about castrated men. The passage would then translate as, There are eunuchs who have been castrated by others. Many conservative theologians declare victory with this and move on. Janet Edmonds reflects a broader view, adding injury and, perhaps, infertility. Those who have been made eunuchs by others would include those who are incapable of fathering children due to castration or injury. So, how should we best understand this passage in its entirety? I have several translations for your consideration. The first is, men who do not lie with women. If this is what Jesus means, the passage would translate as, For there are men who do not lie with women, who were born that way. And, there are men who do not lie with women, who have been made so by others. And, there are men who do not lie with women, for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Linguistically and contextually, this may be the most defensible translation. An alternate, broader translation is sexually different. This captures the way eunuch was used in antiquity to describe any man who did not fit society's sexual norms. This passage would then read, For there are those who have been sexually different from birth, and there are those who have been made sexually different by others, and there are those who have chosen to be sexually different for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. 
When you look at all the sexual minorities that eunuch included in antiquity, queer or queer men, is a surprisingly good, although imperfect, synonym. In the vernacular, one might say, There are some who are born queer. And there are some who are queer for others. And there are some who are queer for the kingdom of heaven. All these translations answer the apostles' implied question. If marriage between a husband and a wife is so hard, shouldn't men just stay single? To which Jesus gives a difficult-to-understand answer that he says is difficult to understand, in which he enumerates three types of men. Let's listen to this passage one last time in context, translated as, Men who do not lie with women. The disciples said to him, If this is the situation between a husband and wife, it is better not to marry. Jesus replied, Not everyone can accept this word, but only those to whom it has been given. For there are men who do not lie with women, who were born that way. And there are men who do not lie with women, who have been made so by others. And there are men who do not lie with women, for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. The one who can accept this, should accept it. No matter how you translate this verse, as men who do not lie with women, or as sexually different, it is very affirming. As Janet Edmonds and others have observed, Jesus thus acknowledges that some people are sexual minorities from birth. The one who can accept this should accept it. So, that is my best understanding of one of the most profound passages in the Bible. I believe Jesus is speaking to the entire rainbow, the whole LGBTQIA community. As we have seen, the words translated as eunuch had a very broad meaning in the Jewish culture of Jesus' time and was used to describe men who did not, or could not, fit society's sexual expectations and norms. So, I will give you credit on your homework if you translated eunuch as men who do not lie with women, or as sexual and gender minority, or as sexually different, or as queer. A more detailed analysis of the homework and some answers that I think are wrong are in the notes. Whether you believe Jesus is just referring to men who do not lie with women, or that Jesus was referring to the broader community of sexual and gender minorities, this is an amazing passage. Acknowledging that God created some sexual minorities and they were created by God in their mother's wombs. In a future episode, we will come back to this affirming scripture and view it in light of Isaiah 56. And we will see that Jesus is not just acknowledging 
God's diverse creation of different types of sexuality, but that Jesus is also blessing those that do not fit in society's sexual and gender expectations. But first, in our next episode, episode 8, we review an easier-to-understand LGBTQIA affirming verse and one of the most remarkable stories in the New Testament. Told by the physician Luke, it even has a Star Trek-like transporter. A lot more coming up. I'm Elton Sherwin. Please join me next time when we discuss another remarkable LGBTQIA plus affirming Bible passage. This is Elton again. We will return to Matthew 19 in episode 16 as I've had some additional insights into its meaning. Also, I've just been amazed at how effective Twitter is at reaching new listeners. I know it sounds melodramatic, but there are young Christians out there who have tried mightily to change themselves and are suicidal, believing that they have failed their church and that they have failed their God all because they have been taught this corrupted, conservative sexual theology. And I feel it's important that they know they have allies. So I would love to recruit you to help spread the word. If you have a Twitter account, please find us on Twitter. Either search for Elton Sherwin or for Affirming Podcasts, and you'll see our distinctive cross on the rainbow flag. And if you could retweet one or two videos every time you finish an episode or whenever you're on Twitter. Thank you.